Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. Joining us now on our hotline, we're delighted to be joined by the head coach of the defending national champion, University of Denver Hockey Pioneers, David Carl Kocha. Thank you for joining us. Uh, first show here, and how better than to just, you know, we'll, we'll get a champ. You're our first guest, Coach. No pressure. Hey, yeah, no pressure. I'm ready for it. Thanks for having <laughs> me on, guys. Uh, congratulations on uh, another terrific season. First back-to-back 30-win season in program history coming off of, uh, obviously, the championship last year. This is a, a terrific time. For DU hockey, but but I guess I ask you as we get into the, the the frozen face off the challenges for you now as the hunted as opposed to the hunter this year to keep that momentum going. Yeah, I think it's something that we've been uh, you know obviously dealing with all season long. We knew that going in that we would get everybody's best game um, regardless of who we were playing, where we were playing, and. Um, you know, our kind of attitude on it was that it was a really good thing. Uh, it would help our our growth and our development as a group and, and force us to get better quicker. And, um, you know, I think that that's happened throughout the regular season and uh, it's, it's made us battle-tested and prepared for playoff hockey. So um, we look to continue that this weekend into our league championship and uh, certainly are, are looking forward as well to the NCAA tournament and trying to, to, to repeat as champions. Speaking of uh, repeating as champions, you repeated as champions of uh, the league this year. You won the gold pan against CC, your opponent, this coming Friday. You won the icebreaker tournament earlier this year. What have you learned about your team as you have, uh, up till now, satisfied three of your five major objectives the three you've had a chance to accomplish you've managed to do so why is that and what have you learned about your team in the process well they one i think it's a really competitive group they they really relish the opportunity to uh make a mark and and we obviously talk a lot in our program um that the way you do that is to win trophies and um, how do you get there? Um, you know, it's it's staying in the moment. It's working to get better every day. It's staying true to what gives us success day in and day out. Uh, but then you have to be able to turn on, um, you know, the competitive juices and lock things down in, in really big moments. And, you know, obviously the, the ball arena uh, game to kick off the gold pan uh, series. You go back to the icebreaker, um, you know, two really good opponents in Maine and Notre Dame. And and then the Penrose, you, we go into Western Michigan and yes. and sweep them. Um, you know, when everything kind of gets magnified in those big moments, I think our team has shown an ability to step up and and play in those moments. So 
I think that's what we're learning, uh, or I would say, um, you know, what's being reinforced, the things we already thought about the group. And, um, you know, this NCHC playoff, uh, some we haven't won since 2018, and um, <laughs> certainly a big trophy that, that we would like to win, but uh, also something that we've always used as a barometer in kind of a trial run um, for the NCAA tournament. And, and obviously the, the ultimate goal of, of winning the national championship. Coach, you got a terrific performance last game out by Kyle Mayhew, four assists from a, your defenseman, the senior there. But this team only has six seniors. I, even though uh, there, there's an extraordinary amount of talent and is battle-tested, this is a team that only has six seniors. But how much does the leadership of those seniors impact some of these younger players? Yeah, the, the leadership is huge. I mean, those guys have been in it. They've, they've seen a lot. The guy like Kyle, a uh, 50-year player, uh, has been around the program for a long time. And, and even our regular seniors and uh, Lee and Crone and Edwards, um, you know, for them to be able to kind of impart some wisdom or some of their experience onto the freshmen and the sophomores um, is really important. And, you know, I think every great team – is led from within and, and we've been really fortunate to have an excellent leadership group that's uh, led by those seniors that have done a great job like guiding the ship this year and and you know they're they're around each other and in the room with each other way more than than we are around them or, or we're in the room with them so um, there's a lot of onus put on that group and and they've done an exceptional job getting this group uh, you know to be close-knit and uh, being able to help us win how in the way that we have. Coach, we know in the basketball tournament there's 68 <laughs> seeds, and there's quite a bit of emphasis not only on being a number one seed, but a number one overall seed for the national tournament. Uh, you have a smaller field for the NCAAs coming up. You figure to be a number one seed almost regardless of what happens uh, this coming weekend in Minneapolis. How important is it to be a number one overall seed if you can win both games and at least have an argument to make that you deserve to be the overall number one? Yeah, with uh, with us in hockey, and I don't know exactly how it works in, in basketball, but um, the pairwise rankings is a computerized um, you know system that, that ranks the teams. Um, based on a number of factors, but winning and losing and strength of schedule, uh, venue like home or away or neutral is weighted differently. Um, those are the main things that go into it. And, um, you know, you're right in that we have a one seed uh, essentially wrapped up by all the calculations that are out there. We could end up anywhere from the two overall to the four overall, but we're most likely to be the third overall. So, um you know the the one the one overall really not in play for us um, going into this weekend, but being a one seed uh, in a regional is certainly helpful. Last year we were the four overall. In seventeen we were the one overall. Right. Um, you know you get you get the best hotel, you get preferred practice <laughs> times. Right. Um, you just you get to pick those things, and and that is a, a nice benefit to being the one overall within your region being that one seed. So um, that's certainly been a point of emphasis, especially in the last four games with how banged up we've been, is taking care of business to make sure that the one seed uh, is wrapped up. And, and we did that. So that, that's a great thing. And 
Um, now we're, we're playing a little bit still for seeding uh, in the national picture, two through four. Well, Coach, obviously, and we're talking about the head coach, David Carl, the Hockey Pioneers, as the one seed. One of those will be, obviously, in your possession. But uh, you pointed out this is a barometer. This is one of those games that you want to go ahead and get the temperature team. You want to get a feel for it going into the tournament. You're playing, of course, Colorado College, a terrific rival. Talk, t- we talk about how it's hard to beat teams three times in a season over the NFL. How about five? You'd have to beat them five. You've, you've already <laughs> beaten them four times in a row. You'd have to think they're hungry. How do you make sure that the team focuses on this particular game? And how important is it to get it? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, uh, it, it's it's really hard to beat a team four times. And, and oddly enough, two of the four teams that are there, we've beaten uh, four times. North right. Dakota being the other. And so there's a chance that, yeah, we... We could have to beat CC five times and, and North Dakota, our two biggest rivals, um, you know, to, to win this thing. And, um, yeah, it's a challenge. I think, again, it just kind of goes back to trying to prepare the same way. Like, you know, we'll have a regular Tuesday practice tomorrow and a regular Wednesday skate. Um, you know, you just try and keep things as normal as you can uh, for the guys. And, um, again, we've talked about their level of urgency has heightened um, – you know, anytime a trophy has been in the mix or on the line, and uh, we would expect no nothing less, um, you know, this weekend. And, and I would expect the intensity of our group um, to be even higher than it was against them two weeks ago um, when the gold pan was already wrapped up and, and even higher than it was this past weekend against Miami. So we should be getting some bodies back and just be added. You throw in a uh, birth to the NCHC final, in the mix, um, you know, we're excited to see how our team responds in that element, and we're, we're confident in how they will. One of those people you expect to get back is Mag- Magnus Crono, who has sat out the last few games uh, with uh, a foot injury. He should be uh, ready from uh, uh, all indications for this weekend. But with Matt Davis having uh, played uh, the last several games for you, uh, are you convinced, uh, as we know how important goaltending can be, especially in the postseason, that you have the best goaltending duo in America? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it's funny. I, I remember when uh, George Gwazdecki said in 04 that this is a goaltender's tournament and we have the best goalie. Um, back in 2004, speaking yep. about Adam Burkle. And, yes. Um, he was a senior, um, had been through a lot. You know, I think we we obviously feel uh, very similarly to to Magnus and his pedigree, what he's been able to accomplish already. It's a huge X factor. Um, you know, we obviously have not been rushing him back. We want to make sure he's absolutely 100% before he gets back in the net um, because he will be uh, a huge component, uh, as goaltending always is, in one and done. So he'll be a huge component to our season. Um you know, coming up here. He is David Carl, the head coach at the University of Denver Hockey Pioneers. For all the latest, check them out at denverpioneers.com and catch the game, of course, coming up on CBS Sports Network. That'll be St. Patrick's Day. You can watch it nationally as well as the next round of which uh, we're hoping that will continue before the tournament. Coach, uh, thanks so much as we uh, christen a new show. How, how great is it for us to be able to bring on a guy that already wins it all that's setting us off on the right foot? Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You guys have a great day. All right. Thanks, thanks. Coach. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, David yep. Carl is less than half my age. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say he it. he is, but... <laughs> as we speak, as accomplished a coach 
as we have on the major league collegiate and professional level in this city. And we have some terrific coaches, basketball, hockey, uh, football, uh, all the excitement about uh, uh, Sean Payton and a certainly up in Boulder about Deion Sanders. Right? Yes, yes. So uh, he flies under the radar, but uh, he's, got he's a going to finish if he stays at DU long enough as the most successful coach in the history of the program that's had the likes of Murray Armstrong, George Gwazdecki, and Jim Montgomery, who is coaching a Boston Bruins team that has a chance to set the all-time National Hockey League record for regular yeah. season wins. I mean, it is it is a storied program. Obviously, uh, nine championships, the tied for the most in history, history with uh, Michigan uh, as well. So you're talking about an opportunity to get number 10, as the uh, odds have it, too, Sandy, by the way, and something that we can talk about on this program. The DU Pioneers' second favorite, only to Minnesota to win the whole Right, thing. and that is the expected uh, final matchup. Nothing against Quinnipiac, but Quinnipiac plays out of the ECAC um, Hockey League. And um, as someone who uh, almost 50 years ago broadcast games in that league, uh, I can tell you that the brand of hockey played in ECAC, and Quinnipiac's a good team, but the brand of hockey is nothing like they play in the NCHC and we'll see evidence of that this weekend. Imagine a league that's good enough to have its seventh best team advance to the semifinals of the postseason league tournament. It is that's how be, uh, good this league is. And in Barrico, yeah, the Colorado College goaltender mm-hmm. is one of the two or three best goaltenders in the country right now. I believe Magnus Krona is also right now one of the two or three best goaltenders in the country they went at it at ball arena in a memorable game in late january uh du of course won it and won the other three but embarico didn't play in the last two games and he is capable of stealing a game so that's a 3 30 p.m start on saint patrick's day in minneapolis and it can be seen on cbs sportsnet Yep. So make sure if you if you're not listening to us, or you can listen to us and watch the game at the same time. That's the beauty of uh, of technology now. You could do both. Make sure you check it out. We we might do that. Uh, we, I might throw it up on my iPad here in the studio. We're going to keep an eye on it That's for fine. sure. We'll take a look real quickly since we're on hockey to the Colorado Avalanche. You find themselves in kind of an odd spot. Now they had lost three. They had won their last game, but they had <laughs> lost three prior to that. And well, they beat San Jose in there. All of a sudden, yeah, yes, but yes, yes. Uh, they 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 have been. Struggling. Boy, did they beat San Jose! I was able to sit in the uh, in San Jose's the, in the stands for that one, and that one was um, that one was over very very quickly. It was uh, easy to turn my attention to other things. But the Avalanche find themselves in a very very interesting spot now. They are fourth in the division. They are one point behind Winnipeg, and they are eighth as of now in the conference, right. which means. As of right now, they would be playing the Vegas Golden Knights without home ice advantage in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. However, there are extenuating circumstances. The Avs have games in hand on virtually everybody who's remotely in contention for the playoffs in the Western Conference. It's not 
It's not one. They've played 64. The only team that has as few as that in the West is Nashville. And they're, they're not them a playoff points. Contender. No, they're five behind the abs. It just, it felt, again, when you have to, this team is dealing with injuries galore. That three-game losing streak hurts so badly because the other teams in yes. the division both those won three were some at the of the same games time. in hand. So they yeah. lost six points to both of those rivals, and it feels like a window of opportunity to leap not just up the up the uh, the playoff rankings, but up to the even opportunity to win their division. Maybe went by the wayside here, sixty-four games in. What is your feeling on the Avalanche? I mean, look at this team. They are eighteen, eleven, and five at home. They are eighteen, eleven, and one on the road. They still have a a Pretty respectable goal differential of of plus twenty five. To my mind, Sandy, I still look at it, and I've said this all year, and I'm not going to back off. I don't care if the Abs are the eight seed. If somehow, knock on whatever wood you can reach, this team reaches the playoffs healthy, I think they can still win the Stanley Cup. I have my doubts at this point, as I'm guessing you do. But the health about is making me worry. Landeskog's return in 2022-23. And Jared Bednar broke the hockey coach's code last week and talked specifically and not encouragingly about Gabriel Landeskog, saying even if he were right for the playoffs, back to our discussion earlier about Durant and right. Peter Forsberg. Can you just drop him in? He hasn't played all year. All, all year. year. Not a game. Not, and, not and- one game. And... He had knee surgery a year ago, and then he had what they called a minor cleanup in October, which turns out not to have been well, so minor. It feels, and, and I remember you and I talked about this at the time. It felt as if Gabriel Landeskog and the Avs made a conscious decision after that more significant knee surgery last year to say, look, there's only so many chances to win a Stanley Cup. It's good enough. And he there's played a, well. There's a risk. He played well. But I'm going to run out on it, and I'm going to live with the consequences. But, but and it I think wasn't that was like conscious, he hadn't played all year. Right. But I think that was a conscious decision by Landis Gog, where he and the organization knew the risks. Fortunately, it paid off. They are the defending champs. They won the cup. But I think but the, the price the bill is came, being paid. Yes, the bill came due. And, and it may end up being what, what sabotages the Avalanche's season. But I, this... I hesitate to say that because they've missed a lot of pieces and parts at times. And this team has rolled at times, even without Landeskog. It has. And again, we'll get into the specifics tomorrow. I don't want to throw, uh, pardon the pun, an avalanche of numbers at people I like puns. Today. However, um, they have had a pretty steady season under the circumstances. And... When they have played, and both McKinnon and McCarr have missed significant, uh, significant amounts of time this year. Bo- both have. But when they've been healthy, witness McCarr's goal in overtime the other day to get the Avs a big win over Arizona. They've been spectacular, especially McKinnon. And... If they get Manson back sometime in April that's, prior that's to the playoffs, that will help because I think right now against some of the better teams and certainly some of the better teams who have a more physical style of play, they can be pushed around a little bit. And I think we've seen that happen uh, with the LA Kings last week who came in and 
won five to two. And the game was about as easy as that score makes it sound for the Kings. And, of course, they got routed by Dallas in Dallas a little more than a week ago. So those kinds of teams have been able to push them around. But I think if they get Manson back, at least defensively, then they can get back to the pairings they would like. And if Eric Johnson, who I understand is skating. Yes, he is skating. Now, he's not skating with the team. I understand that. skating on his own. There are different phases. You skate, you practice, and then you play. And there's about a two-week interval on each. He's he's on the first one. (laughs) So he's on the first one. Uh, He's on the the, the first level of that with with two more levels, uh, a little bit higher levels to get to. But if if they can go into the playoffs with McCarr and Taves, with Manson and Byron, with Gerard and Johnson, and have Jack Johnson as a seventh defenseman who was called into service last year when Gerard got hurt in the playoffs, then I'm pretty happy with them defensively. And uh, we may debate this in uh, a reversal of our uh Discussion regarding Darcy Kemper last year, but uh, although some of my friends who have watched the Avalanche at least as much as I have this year suggest otherwise, I believe that Georgiev is the best goaltender yes. the Avalanche have had since Patrick Waugh. I think there are reasons to Most of in my that. friends disagree with me on that, at least on a one year basis, but I think if you look at Georgiev's numbers, 920 save percentage, Top five in the league in wins, uh, goals against close to top 10, save percentage inside of the top five, uh, all these key numbers, shutouts, top five with, uh, I believe, four shutouts this year. I think he has gotten them five or six wins that they otherwise would not have had, and they're seven points behind Dallas for first place in the division with games in hand on the Stars. Now, I think first place is out of reach, but second place with respect to the Minnesota Wild is not. And if that's the first round series, the Avs having home ice advantage, I think virtually guarantees that they advance through the first round. The Avs start a four-game road trip tonight, 5.30 face-off in Montreal against the terrible Canadians. Got to have that done. I like what you're talking about, Georgiev. I want to talk a little bit more about the Avs goaltending. We'll do that next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Thanks for listening, by the way. Debut show here over on Mile High Sports. We've uh, reconstituted and reassembled a show that hopefully you like somewhere else and brought it over here live, uh, locally owned, independent. Those are, those are things that matter in this business, especially the guys like you and I, and it's really thrilling to be able to do this Again, if you have an opportunity and would like to join us in the show, you can do that. 303-831-1340. Call or text 
We were talking a little bit about the Avalanches. They start a four-game road trip against, uh, tonight it'll be Montreal, one of the league's worst teams. Looking up the remaining strength of schedule, and remember that the Avalanche have 18 games left. That is as much as anyone in the league. Nashville, the other in the West, has 18. The remaining strength of schedule for them, third hardest in the league. The hardest in the West is what Nashville has. The Avs, want to guess where theirs is? 32nd. The easiest remaining schedule in hockey. So an opportunity for them to maybe make up some space here starting tonight. 18 games remaining, Sean, and to reinforce the point you just made, nine of the 18 come against bottom two teams from each of the four divisions, including the game tonight with Montreal, dead last uh, over in the East in, I believe, the Atlantic Division. Uh, The Metropolitan is the other Eastern Conference division. And Montreal in the Atlantic is dead last. last. Although they're not terrible. They're they're dead last by 11 points behind the But they're behind Detroit. Every team has uh, one more game than it has lost in regulation in that division with, of course, the Bruins at the top with our friend Jim Montgomery as the head coach, 50-10-5. But uh, nine of the 18 remaining against Arizona, Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, Detroit, and Montreal. So that's a major advantage. Those are nine games you have to get. The, right? You yeah. have to get You them. have to get those. Even, if, get those even if it's an overtime or a shootout, you have to get those nine. Yeah. The Avalanche, if they win 14 of their remaining 18 games, they'll have 50 wins for the season. What an accomplishment that would be yeah. playing much Feeling of the like season limping without the not just Landeskog, but McKinnon and McCarr and Nashushkin as well. Right. I, and and to an extent, a Pavel Francouz, who has also not been yeah. available Except now. Pavel, I, who, whom I love, and you know I love right. Pavel Francouz. He's always hurt. Yes. Always hurt. And that's why making the move to get Georgiev was a good one. Now, the Avalanche Certainly are going to have to try to find a way to balance because behind him without Francis is, is nothing. Let's be honest. It's nothing. The King oh, K, I agree. Uh, Johansson, uh, you know, yeah. who, uh, Newton, well, you who got the not guy ready. who came from the Bruins at, yeah, the, at K, the deadline. Yeah, Kincaid, and, yeah. and he's uh, overmatched. And, 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 but, but yes, uh, and Georgiev's freshness going into the playoffs is important. It's a concern, too. And they wouldn't have made the trade if they were convinced that Francis was coming back in the regular season, they wouldn't have made that deal. But they can't afford to rest Georgiev if they want to improve their playoff position and at least get into third place Mm -hmm. where they'd be playing the Wild, presumably, in the first round. With or without home ice advantage, I like the Avalanche over the Wild with a relatively healthy team. So a couple different ways to slice that then. Do you go with your better goalie? You go with Georgiev and make sure in those nine nine games against the bottom feeders, do you put Georgiev in there and make sure you slam the door on those nine teams to get those points? Or do you gamble and throw Kincaid out there? Or used to sit at Ananen if they decide to go that route. Do you throw him out there against those bad teams, assuming that your offense can carry the day? If you're Jared Bednar, how do you approach this? Um, With great care and consideration. <laughs> I'll answer seriously. There is no reason that in any one 
of these nine games they have remaining against bottom feeders, teams that are far out of contention for playoff spots, nowhere quite near frankly, making the playoffs. Maybe tanking. Right. Now, Arizona, as we've seen, is a dangerous team. At home. You need Georgiev. they temporary home, they're good. They beat Minnesota last night, helped the Avalanche. Now, it was in overtime, so Minnesota got a point, but it's better than two points. 17-11 and three at home, Arizona, despite the fact they're terrible. They're good at home. I I made the mistake of texting a friend the other day uh, when the Avalanche were tied 2-2 with Arizona in the third period, and, of course, they lost their first game head-to-head this year with Arizona. And I said, why are the Avalanche struggling? What's wrong with them against the Arizona Coyotes, and the response I got was it, it reinforced by what Jared Bednar said after the game. This is one of the up-and-coming teams in the league. They aren't bad, and the Wild found out last night in a game the Wild really wanted and led in, and Arizona rallied and finally won in overtime uh, last night. So that that I think you need Georgiev, but my point is in nine of these 18 games against these so-called bottom feeders, you need to limit Georgiev's exposure. 25 shots on goal at maximum. 20 to 25 so, shots so, on goal so go against into these a, nine a bit teams. of a shell against these teams. So, it, well, I'm not saying go into a shell, but you better be primed defensively so Georgiev's not out there having to make 30-plus saves in, in a game against these teams. Now, They've they've got a game left with Dallas. They've got a game left with the Wild. They've got a game left with Winnipeg, the three teams currently ahead of them in the Central Division. You need Georgiev in those games, and he may have to work a little bit harder against teams like that. But against those nine bottom two teams from each of the four divisions, actually three of the four because they're done with Philadelphia and Columbus in the Metropolitan Division. You need to be sound defensively, and they have not always been sound, as we have seen in recent right. weeks, defensively. I, I think you brought up a good point last segment. The Josh Manson injury has thrown them off because this team, obviously, when you look at some of the problems that have gone by, it's not the, the ability to score. That's fine. Even when they've been missing players, they, they're able to score. It's been the defensive breakdowns, and I think losing Manson has been a part of that. Now, that they're yeah. they're finding themselves having to make pairings they don't necessarily like to make that aren't necessarily that yeah. good. I, I, having I, I'm to not crazy about Byram and Gerard matched together. Yeah. They're both very good offensive players, but they can be pushed around. I actually think Gerard has played better than Byram the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he has. He's really, he's really picked it up quite a bit. There are still some mistakes. And these are offensive first guys. But, We're not going to pretend uh, right. they're not. But, but your, your two top defense pairings have been McCarr and Taves. Of course. Arguably the best pairing in the league But anyway. then Byram and Gerard. Mm-hmm. And then you've had Jack Johnson. So where's your Hunt defensive In pairing. recent right. games. So, so you, you're, I, I thought Jack Johnson, at least in his debut, when I saw the game, I thought he played well. And I know his metrics are terrible, but he was on an awful team in Chicago this year. And the Avalanche have faith in him, but he can't be more than your sixth or seventh defenseman. He yeah. can't be more just than that. Just at the age alone. No, that's just he, where he, he can't is. be more right. than that because if if he's forced to be in your top four or even the fifth defenseman, talking about 15, 16 minutes a game, and with him it's more like maybe 10 to 12 minutes a game. Or if Eric Johnson is healthy, having him in reserve 
when the playoffs begin and go with those six defensemen. And McDermott is always an option, but he was concussed recently. Right. So, uh, it, you know, the injuries, people say, what's wrong with the Avalanche this year? Why are they only 36-22-6? and six? Why are they in fourth place? It's in a division they won easily purely last injuries. year. It, it is purely injuries. The team injuries. is, is that, championship it, caliber. It, it's not an excuse because they're still having a good year and they have an outside chance to win 50 games. That is not bad. And I think the calmness of the coach has been critical to their success. Jared Bednar never he has work to do this week. They, of course, played Montreal tonight, but then it's a compressed week. They play again on Tor- on, in Toronto on Wednesday, right. then back-to-back in Ottawa, and then only one day off, and then at Detroit. Now, I get it. Detroit is bad. Montreal is bad. And I mean, Ottawa's not, Ottawa's particularly not good. all that 500 good. 500 team. But that is four games in six nights. Yes, and, and again, are you we're talking play about Georgiev all four. Georgiev's That's workload. your question. That's the question for me. I, I don't have any question about Georgiev's ability. I think the Avs have found their long-term answer. I feel rather confident in that when you're talking about Georgiev at 27 entering his prime for goaltenders. It's a little bit like catchers in baseball. You, you have to have enough experience to understand what your job is to really get into your prime. That's why the guys like uh, Igor Shosturkin are a bit of a, of a unicorn to pop into the league at 21 years old and look like one of the top five goalies. No. That's the only reason Alexander Georgiev's <laughs> even on this team. That's Otherwise, right. he's the future of the Rangers. Exactly. So, I mean, I think they exactly. have their goaltender. I agree. But the injury to Fransos, the injury to defenses are really limiting what Bednar can and do. And if you had Fransos, he could play in one of these four games. Definitely. If not two Probably. When they have the back-to-back, he'd play in one of yeah. them. Yeah, one would think. But I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see with Georgiev. Uh, they they have given him a little bit of rest, but not a lot. But for the last two years before this year, he was getting a lot of rest, too. Uh, so he probably doesn't mind playing a lot. But they they've got but you to have to look out for him. your goaltender. They've yeah. got to protect to him, him so that he's not looking at ten to twelve high danger scoring chances against bad teams. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, behind him right now, the the covering appears to be bare. I mean, we'll find out with uh, Keith Kincaid. He's been only in one game. I, we'll see if he gets a look. Used to send in for a while was thought about to be the future of the Avs. I think Georgiev's going to block him, but he's not ready at this point. I think that's obvious. Let's be honest. If you look at the league rankings offensively and defensively, the Avalanche are much more highly ranked as a defensive team. They're a top 10 in goals against defensively as a, as a team. They're top 10. They are not top 10 offensively. But they're they not top 10 offense. They found a way to get it done. We'll find out. This will be uh, starting off tonight, that four-game road trip in Montreal. Big news with the Denver Broncos as the negotiation period started. The Broncos struck quickly as they revamped their offensive line. We'll tell you all about it next. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. 
Oh, it feels good to be back. I think, Sandy, you put it right. Just kind of took a vacation. What, it's been about six months? Well, we were rudely interrupted six months ago. <laughs> and and, and now, we're, now we're back together. And uh, I, I love what you do. You're the best driver in the business. And um, I would not be doing this if not for your presence and uh, some of the great people at this uh, radio station have also made this venture very attractive to me and i'm looking forward to it uh we are uh free to talk about what we wish to talk about right. in an uninhibited way and uh, that's gonna be fun I've been it doing really this for more than 40 years, yeah. and I've rarely had that feeling. Yeah, so it, it is going to be a blast, and thank you for saying so. Danny, please make sure you cut that last couple minutes there, just in case I might need that in a resume. But the Denver Broncos now is the negotiation period. I refuse to call it what everyone else calls it, because you can clearly just negotiate. <laughs> the negotiation period prior to the NFL First signing. of all, the legal or illegal yeah. tampering started at the combine. Right. Well, that's nothing to do. All, they all get together there and talk about it, and they make trades, and they, yes. You know, they go to that steakhouse mm-hmm. in Indianapolis that's so famous. Yeah, it's so right? famous I don't know it, but yeah. Then again, I'm not an indie very often. But you're right. Everyone has those meetings there. It's like the old baseball uh, spring training. You go out to Don and Charlie's and everyone, half the league gets traded. I mean, that's what used to happen in baseball, too. And and so this is one of those situations where uh, things get done rather quickly. And for the Denver Broncos, they have. They've added backup quarterback Jared Stidham. Uh, moving on from yeah. Brett Rippon, not a surprise there. But then the Broncos' offensive line overhaul is now fully underway. They added at their big signing Mike McGlinchey. From the Niners, that was a, a guy that the Broncos have been after for quite some time, even before they hired Sean Payton. And then they had Ben Powers from the Ravens. Uh, ben Powers replaced Dalton Reisner, whose very best year with the Denver Broncos was as a rookie. And then it it just sort of tapered off after that. I agree. I think that Reisner, and, and you go look at the guys at The Athletic, who we know a lot of the writers there like their work. They have Reisner as the third available, best available uh, interior lineman in, in free agency. And they have powers fifth. I well, would, it, I would disagree with in that. In the top 150, they had Reisner, I believe, at 51. And if I'm not mistaken, powers at 53. Yeah. I, I would reverse that myself because I thought powers had much the better year of the two uh, last year. And uh, Reisner, of course, Fairly durable, started 62 mm-hmm. of a possible 66 games during his first four years, all at left guard, all rookie in 2019, but has not, and this is from the athletic and from their personnel analysts, has not elevated to a Pro Bowl level. A native of Wiggins, which is always said the story. he would love I get to that. remain with the Broncos, but that could be determined by Sean Payton's plans for constructing the offensive line, and he chose to uh, construct it instead with uh, a new left guard in Ben Powers. Who has been on the rise. Who who was great who gotten, last year. Yes, really on, outstanding last year. On a team that uh, didn't have its quarterback late in the year, but uh, still agents. could run the ball. And, of course, he's the number one free agent. We speak, of course, of uh, Lamar Jackson, who is his own agent, in a move that I haven't uh, heard anyone adequately explain. 
<laughs> why that is it's, wise. It's a little but, different when you are in, you know, you've had players do that in basketball before because basketball has hard numbers. They have a max contract. So, you know, you well, can, yeah, you can negotiate that yourself. Right. If you were, you know, right. most of them have agents, but obviously if you're a max contract player, you can kind of, you know, you know, like if you're LeBron, you, you could just, you know, set up yourself. But I think in this case, now you have a new right tackle, uh, unquestionably an upgrade. There are questions about McGlinchey, but unquestionably an upgrade powers. I think you have a, I also think it's unquestionably an upgrade, not necessarily oh, I as think, large. I think he's underrated and Reisner is overrated. We know that the Broncos have been, if not outright shopping, certainly willing to take calls on Garrett Bowles, which is interesting. And and maybe on Cortland Sutton. Certainly. On, I think I think certainly on Cortland Sutton. I think that's also an option. They'd be looking to obtain some more draft picks. Uh, I would have to think that Lloyd Cushenberry the third, uh, as much as I really like him, as a player, he's just one of those players. His head's right, his heart's right, everything's right. He's just not physical enough to succeed in that position at the NFL level. I think the Broncos are going to make a move there as well and revamp the inside of that line, and that will be interesting because that's a lot of investment. It's a lot of change, and as you pointed out, it may not fix the root problem of the way Russell Wilson has chosen to play. Haven't they though been forced to address? the offensive line issues in free agency because out of the first 67 picks in the upcoming draft, the Broncos have zero selections. So they're not going to be able to get much help, at least for the offensive line, through the draft. It will have to come in free agency. And you sign two guys who have been, if nothing else, durable. Right. That's important. And they have not had that at right tackle. We can debate, although I doubt very much, the quality of play at right tackle. But one thing that is not a subject of debate, it is simply a matter of fact, is that they haven't been able to keep many right tackles healthy. No, since Orlando Franklin played the position. There's been a lot of concerns about that as well. I mean, keep in mind the that part of the organization is being looked at too. the The fact that the Broncos have uh, led the league in ACL injuries, in soft tissue injuries, that uh, not once, but well, they fired the strength and twice in the coach. last two years. And I understand, you know, injuries in the nature of the sport are semi-random, but not when you start zooming out. And, and obviously, the Broncos thought that was another problem that needed to be Lauren addressed Landau in their fired in their staff. So yeah. we will see if that makes changes as well for this. Uh, for well, this I like organization. I like Peyton's approach. Uh, I am less than overwhelmed with the uh, coaching staff hires. In fact, I think Deion Sanders has a much better coaching staff, even allowing for the differences between college and pro football. I like Deion Sanders' coaching staff better than Sean Payton's coaching staff. You saw the information about CU, and I know we're getting near, but I mean, you saw the the CU Spring football stuff today, right? It sold 35,000 tickets to the spring game, and it's going to be aired not on a regional, not on something. The CU practice game, the spring practice game, is going to be on ESPN. Not two, not three, not news, not digital. ESPN. The I will say this about Deion Sanders. The biggest football story in this state right now is Deion Sanders. Five years, $40 million, right? Deion Sanders has already made the university that entire value of his contract, and he's months away from coaching. Absolutely. Again. And he's the Pied Piper. PR alone. He's the Pied Piper, too. He's on all Best the national deal talk in college shows. Football. Uh, Best news bargain. shows. 
He's I mean, he's on CBS Morning News. Cover of GQ months ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's unbelievable. And listen, I think Deion Sanders is a CEO-style head yes. coach. Yes. For college, a modern college program, and that's what you should be. I think he's hired an outstanding staff. Outstanding. And we'll talk more about it in detail Keep in, mind in the too, coming months. What... But if you ask people, and I've had the chance to mm-hmm. do this in public speaking settings where at least 50 people have been gathered, right now, what's the biggest football story in the town, the region, the state? 90% of them, perhaps more say the big football story is Deion Sanders up in Boulder, not Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. You know, that makes me right happy. Now. Despite like a lot of, I mean, obviously there's a lot of buffs, but also, um, well, me as a buff, uh, Danny Bailey, our producer, another one. So uh, yeah, the, the, we'll be following that one pretty close. And and by the way, of course, one of the one of the differences here, you know, obviously we're, we're on air today over at Mile High Sports. Remember, MileHighSports.com, coverage of everything i mean we have a we have a dedicated reporter on the cu beat i mean that he's there every day it's what he's doing so uh we we have a lot of uh different ways to cover the team if you, you haven't agree? been on a check don't, out don't you agree I, that Dion is the big story i think it is i think it will i think it will remain so quite frankly until the broncos are actually winning football games until they win i think Dion's going to remain the story and, and the Bucks how about the, the home opener you don't think espn's game day will be in Boulder the on September Network. 9th, CU versus The entire Nebraska. Pac-12 Network goes CU and Deion Sanders a debt of gratitude. They're in the middle of negotiating a contract in a terrible situation. They have a terrible hand. Uh, two teams of, of, are leaving. Two teams would also like to leave. And yet they may find themselves reportedly perhaps cutting a deal with Amazon like Thursday Night Football. That is all <laughs> Deion Sanders in the University of Colorado. This isn't even a discussion if they don't hire him. Absolutely. Remarkable. Remarkable. Absolutely. Now, how well they do on the field uh, for at least this first year, I think five wins would be nice. Obviously, six wins would make them bowl eligible. But let's not get carried away with 2023. However, in 2024... Feel free to get carried away because yeah. I think they're going to be real good. Eight I to do ten too. It, it's been fun. We're going to be doing this every day, two to four. Thanks for everyone for listening. So great to be on Mile High Sports. You know, we get to cover every team every day, which is exactly what Sandy and I do. We did it anyway. We're going to get to keep doing it, and we get to do it with you. Thanks to Danny Bailey. I'm on the board in there putting everything together. Thanks to Andrew Demmer working on the video side. You can check all of that over at milehighsports.com or at the free Mile High Sports app. That's also where you can listen to us. So thanks for joining us, Sandy. I'm really looking forward to, to, to getting back uh, on the horse. It feels like we didn't miss a beat. It's great to see you after six months. Yeah. I mean, we have seen each other in the interim, but it's great to be doing this here. I'm thrilled. It is going to be fun. Thanks to all of you for listening. Stay tuned. Afternoon Drive with Anila Piro and Corey Rourke is next on Mile High Sports.